1: Live from the Wolf Construction Roofing Studio, it's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 KBGG. Sponsored by Wolf Construction Roofing.
2: Back at it next, we head south. We're going down to Dallas. Actually, Frisco, Texas to be precise. Alex Halstead down there for Big 12 Media Days. He joins us right now on the Draft House Fifty Hotline, Alex. What's going on, my man?
3: Not too much. Just sitting here in this mini Jerry world, I guess. It's you know, <laughs> I kind of arrived, didn't know what to expect, and uh, I mean, it's a, I've been told ten thousand seat stadium. It looks like a you know a new Uni Dome type place in terms of the amount of seats. It's just kind of crazy they have this as a practice field, but it's a pretty good setup this year for Big Twelve Media Days.
2: Explain uh, a little bit, kind of where you are, the changes from past years as you've. I know Alex uh, covered a few different media days. How it's different this year, the setup, and maybe how you'd grade it this year, and some of the differences.
3: Yeah, I mean this year is in, like you said, Frisco, Texas, to be more exact. And in the past, it's been in downtown Dallas, you know, at the Omni Hotel. Uh, it's actually always shared um, the same hotel and the same date as the Mary Kay Convention. Uh, so there's always kind of a, a crazy little few days there for Big 12 media days. This year, it's got the more football feel. It's 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 out on the Cowboys' practice. Uh, field uh, in this new place that uh, Jerry Jones built. Um, you know the the Dallas Star at, at midfield and Cowboys end zones. I mean it, it's on a football field, and, and then one end you got the um, the podium and the news conference, which where all the media faces. And um, and then the other end you got a bunch of podiums. You know probably fifteen of them for all the different players and coaches for the breakout sessions. So it kind of reminds me a little bit more of the the Big Twelve media days for basketball, where they're on their sprint center court, and it just kind of has a basketball feel. Uh, it's much more like that you know instead of being in a hotel ballroom uh, you're here and you know there's been some talk if you know maybe the SEC would maybe swing by here and that sort of thing which would make it interesting but I think uh, it has more of a big-time feel than just being in a hotel
2: yeah kind of a cool idea a different idea like you said and normally it's in a hotel ballroom something along those lines it's it can be a little (laughs) bit more stale so it's certainly cool to see something a little bit different here uh, different in terms of what they're doing how they're going about it and It works out really well. You get five coaches on one day and the players five on the next day. So you get some different nuggets there. I wanted to get your thoughts, though, yesterday as Matt Campbell was up there for the first time in front of the big media. I've talked about this a little bit today, but uh, ran out of questions. For you as an Iowa State media member, did you feel like maybe you should have thrown him a bone or because he can get more inside baseball, if you will, when you're talking to him in those individual settings where you maybe saving off on some of your questions?
3: Yeah, I kind of feel bad for that situation because his was probably one of the shortest, shortest, and it wasn't necessarily because of a lack of interest as much as what we tend to do, you know, when the Iowa media, Iowa, Iowa, state typically sets it up for, you know, there's five of us here, I think this year. And we actually, before he went on the podium, had talked to him for 18 minutes off to the side. And so, you know, the way they set it up is they know that we want this more in depth stuff and, um, you know, they give us a lot of time for these. It's not a one on one interview, but basically a five on one interview with local media. And so then he goes up there and well, we have just talking to him for 18 minutes and it's not as long and mm-hmm. um, for him because we kind of have used up our main questions other than stuff we'll get, you know, more specific at the breakout session. So his was a bit shorter yesterday, but, you know, I think those, those, uh, the podiums have, I think are maybe more made for the, the TV, for, you know, the live stuff on Fox Sports than it is probably for us more and more because, you know more and more teams are doing these interviews off to the sides with coaches, and then the stuff up there's like you know maybe the same reporter asking this, every coach the same question about what he thinks about this rule change or the big twelve um needing to prove itself and that sort of thing or a championship game, but uh it was interesting how his went a little bit short, but uh I, I kind of made a comment to someone else, you know maybe we shouldn't have talked to him for eighteen minutes. uh we would have had a few more questions for him
2: yeah that that does make a lot of sense and I think it's always good to kind of explain how that happens as you guys are going through it, because I always think it's uncomfortable. You know, you know, sitting there and you feel bad. I, I remember one year I was over at Big Ten Media Days. It was Danny Hope, you know, Dan, Danny Hope of Purdue. I didn't have anything to ask him, but I was trying to just rack my brain, come up with something, because you feel bad for the guys. They're sitting up there. Questions? Any more questions? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah. It's that uncomfortable moment, I think, that everybody has.
3: Yeah, because they're about 20. Each coach gets 20 minutes. And, you know, Tom Herman used up his whole thing because, you know, you, it's harder to get him off to the side um, mm-hmm. with the amount of Texas media that's going to be here. Yep. He's going to be bombarded. I mean, you should have seen, you know, Lincoln Riley yesterday at his one on one session. You'd be lucky if you even got in there. So people have to try to jump in and get the questions there. With Campbell, you know, he's so accessible to us on the side with, you know, yesterday that you don't have to try to get all your questions in at, at the podium. But, yeah. You know, sometimes those drag on a little bit long.
2: So, uh, Alex, as you went through, this is not a year where expansion, expansion was a big top, uh, topic like it was a year ago. You know, there's been just so many things in the Big 12 that has taken away from the actual football. There was a lot of talk about football. What would you take was the biggest takeaway full scale for the Big 12 as a whole? I know still some other things going on, but was it the championship game coming back? What, what was the topic that kind of ruled the two days?
3: Yeah, the championship game I think was a big talk. You know that that's kind of how Bullsby started things off. And um, you know he says yeah, obviously they like the money that comes with it, but they really wanted to try to use it. They thought you know from that, what everyone was telling them and all the data was telling them that the, they're most beneficial to have it just from the pure standpoint of trying to get a playoff team consistently. So you know the money's going to be a nice bonus, but if you get a team in the playoff too, you get more money from getting into that playoff and all the, the the bonuses that come with that. So. That was a big talker. I think Bob Bolsby actually, off to the size, told some other reporters, though, that um, he signed a contract extension to be the Big 12 commissioner through 2024-25. Um, you're not major. I think most people probably expected him to continue to stick around, but that's kind of through, you know, gets you into the, the 2024-25 year is kind of the year everyone wonders if there's going to be more realignment talk, not just with the Big 12, but with everybody, because all these TV deals run out. So, um you know, I think that's kind of the league's probably pretty secure through that point, and it looks like Boldby will be the commissioner through that point as well.
2: So championship game starts up. Uh, new coaches, you mentioned Tom Herman up there, also Lincoln Riley taking over at Oklahoma. As, as you had a chance to hear from uh, Lincoln Riley a little bit, there's some people out there that don't think Oklahoma, because they're so talented, that they're not going to miss a beat. I, I just... I can't subscribe to that theory. It's not that Oklahoma is going to fall apart and they're going to be a seven and five or six and six this year, anything like that. But doesn't it seem like there's got to be some type of learning curve here for for a guy that takes over a program with huge expectations in Oklahoma?
3: Yeah, I think it's you know anytime you have a new coach, I think there's some uncertainty. And you look at Baylor, and I think um, you know maybe their over under came out today in the updated ones odds release, and they're seven and a half over under and. Then, You know, you don't know how players are going to react to how things go over the season and what if you struggle in a game or two. You know, how does the team react to a new coach? You know, players that maybe are on their way out after that season. And I think Oklahoma will be interesting, you know, which way does that Ohio State game go and how do they go from there if they, say, lose it? You know, or if they win it, maybe it propels them. But if they lose it, how do they respond to a new coach? I think Lincoln Riley made a comment um, about how, you know, these players – on this team he didn't bring in. I mean he, he was obviously there and he's an assistant there, but they came to play for Bob Stooch and he's told the players that he isn't just expect them to, you know, just give him, you know, their their I shouldn't say respect, but he said he knows he's gotta earn, you know, that and he's gonna willing to work for that. So I think he even understands that um, there are some probably difficulties and, and things like that, but they do have a lot of talent. I think they're you know, them Oklahoma State probably the the two clear top two teams in the Big 12 this next year. And so it's going to be interesting, um, especially because, you know, this year the way they try to do the scheduling because of that championship, they play Oklahoma State in the middle of the year, not that last game. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do early in the season, especially against Ohio State and how things go from there.
2: Yeah, non-conference is – it feels critical this year for the Big 12. Last year with that blowout loss uh, to Ohio State for Oklahoma – It felt like it really put the conference as a whole back behind the eight ball. Uh, you got to see Texas, they're going to USC. You can pull a huge upset there. Oklahoma State, they can't afford losing to Pittsburgh. Uh, you got TCU-Arkansas again this year, and of course Iowa, Iowa State. You need a few of those uh, games to go the Big 12's way if they're going to have any shot of getting back into that that championship, into the college football playoff short of going undefeated. The Big 12 needs a good non-conference.
3: Yeah, and that was actually the main talk today. Even more so than yesterday, uh, Dana Holgerson was asked about that. You know, do you coaches as a Big Twelve feel like you need to prove something? And he said he thinks that they don't necessarily need to prove anything, but they need to um, they need to take care of non-conference to, I guess, in a sense, prove you know that this is a capable league. He said they don't need to prove anything to themselves or whatever, but maybe other fan bases and and that sort of thing. You know, like you mentioned, they all have pretty quality opponents. Uh, I think West Virginia even plays I, I want to say he he mentioned Virginia Tech, but I might be wrong on that, but they all have these opponents and he, like holgerson said last year the big twelve as a whole had some um bad bosses in in non conference non conference and also um lost some of the marquee matchups and so you know, having a good non conference he thought could kind of reassert what what the coaches are confident in, but you know there's obviously always that perception. Whenever a league does bad in bowl games, you know you kind of always get that knock against any conference, and you know whatever they do in the non-conference as well, if they go against other leagues.
2: So let's get into the nuts and bolts now. We're talking with Alex Hallstead. You can find his work over at CycloneAlert.com, part of 24/7 Sports. Let's get into Iowa State and what you took away. First of all, you uh, came out right away with the depth chart. We've been waiting for it. We've been hoping for it. We've speculated about it. Here it is in pure paper form, uh, a surprise or two as you got your first look at pre-fall camps. Iowa State depth chart.
3: Yeah, definitely a surprise. We didn't get one in the spring, so it's our first look since um, since the West Virginia game, the week of that West Virginia yeah. game. And uh, there were some things we expected, you know, obviously to be on there, but there were some surprises. I think maybe the biggest surprise to me was. You know, the first thing I went to look at was strong safety because that's been a spot that's obviously open. They brought in Georgia grad transfer Reggie Wilkerson. Mm-hmm. And I had heard in recent weeks that if the season started now, that Reggie Wilkerson would be the number one guy. So my eyes immediately went there to say, "See, you know, is that true? Was he the number one guy? And he was. And then, you know, so maybe I thought maybe that was one of the biggest takeaways. At first, when I started scanning, and all of a sudden I see Marcel Spears as one of the three starting linebackers. And, you know, Spears is a guy that played in 11 games last year, but they were on special teams. Um, he's never been on a two deep in his two year career. Obviously one of them was as a redshirt freshman or redshirting his freshman year. And so it just surprised me because we didn't hear a ton about him in the spring. And it's just like this quiet rise, but he's the number one linebacker at one of the linebacker spots next to, uh, Joel Lanning and Willie Harvey. And so that was a big, big one to me. Um, you know, I think it was notable that there were seven redshirt freshmen on there. Uh, obviously, uh, headlined by Chase Allen being the starting tight end. I think we expected that. We just wondered, will they go with the senior and make Chase, you know, kind of continue to push, you know, into September? But, you know, he's the clear number one guy right there. Um, And then Eniwaz Rique is the number two defensive end already. A guy that's now 6'6", 290, and he's only been in AIM since August as a freshman. So, um, you know, those things weren't surprising, but I think the fact that they've got from their 2016 class – uh, they've got seven redshirt freshmen and six true so- sophomores that played last year. They have 13 players from that 2016 class, Campbell's first class, that are already on that two deep. So, um, but, you know, I think, yeah, Marcel Spears was the big surprise, and then Reggie Wilkerson was notable because they really needed someone to step into that safety spot, and that's why they brought him in in the spring.
2: So no quarterback battle, that is a good thing. We know it's going to be Jacob Park. What about the running back spot? Saw uh, Kanichi was listed as uh, one of the kick returners back there. But Montgomery Warren, even leaving him out of the mix between those two guys, how does Campbell Manning and crew kind of divvy up those carries? Because it sounds like Mark, Mike Warren back invested. He's ready to go.
3: Yeah, that's going to be the big question. I think, you know, David Montgomery is, is the number one guy. But um, from talking to people, I think this could be an opportunity for from, from Mike Warren to have that bounce back here. Maybe he doesn't rush for 1,000 yards because the, the carries aren't split up you know, for him to have the opportunity to do it, but he's going to get ample opportunity. And like you said, he'll be the number two guy. Nguyen we still don't know about his health for sure. He's not hundred percent cleared, but Campbell said he probably would be ready to play this year if they wanted to, but he's not saying that that means they're going to play him. Mm -hmm. Um, The kind of question or X factor in this whole question is Johnny Lang, who they just brought in in June. And uh, Campbell was asked at one point uh, by us before the news conference, are there any true freshmen that you think could play? And he didn't mention anyone by name. He said he thinks the linebackers have been impressive. The offensive linemen have been impressive. That have come in. There's one true freshman that he mentioned out of the, you know, maybe two dozen or so that they signed. and It was Johnny Lang. And so he mentioned him three different times, two different times on prompts, and then we asked about him towards the end. And Johnny Lang could be kind of that X factor. Is he that number three guy if Kanae is not ready to play? uh, How much does he play either way? Um, I think that's the question we don't know until we get to fall camp. But uh, a true freshman running back—that's maybe also in that mix—to uh, be in the offense somewhere. Maybe it's running back. Maybe they use him in different ways offensively, or maybe they just use him in the kick return game. But that was an interesting nugget as well. Um, just that there's one true freshman mentioned by name, and it was the guy that they just added in June. Something feels
2: different. Uh, it, it feels like—and not to steal—you know—the tagline: "A storm is brewing," but. I understand, you know, from an outside perspective, it feels different. Now, you're inside of it. You're there every day. You're at all the press conferences. You've been through different coaches. Does it feel different to you as well, Alex? Yeah, it feels a a
3: lot different. And uh, The main thing for me is, you know, every time I think to, you know, write something about how things feel a little bit different, I caution myself and say, well, there's a point where it felt different two years ago or whatever there's different because you get to this time of year and spring spring ball is always positive no matter what program you're covering i mean it's all about these new guys are going to step up and this is what's going to happen when you get to the summer even before fall camp i think it's pretty positive it's kind of like the you know when you get to spring training and baseball everybody's got a chance Mm -hmm. but this something does feel a little bit different about this it feels like they've got a lot more depth i mean you're already seeing like i said 13 guys from the 2016 class on the two deep you know campbell's I think about fifty percent of that t- of their depth start is guys that Campbell's brought in. So it feels like the talent infusion is actually happening. It feels like they think they're deeper, and I feel like that some of that's an honest assessment because Campbell said in the spring that the linebacker position was maybe his most concerning. And he said yesterday he feels now like it's maybe one of its deep, their deeper positions because a few guys stepped up. Plus, they bring in the two true freshmen. So it does, you know, feel a little bit different this year. I think the big storyline that i haven't written about it yet but i'm going to write about it soon i talked to people yesterday is how many players they're seeing in the facilities on friday nights and saturday nights and saturday mornings that al mazard said he was talking to brian Peavy about this the other day and how three or how much has changed in three or four years that when they got here it was unheard of to go in and do workouts on your own to go in on a friday or a saturday unless you had to do it and they said i think Joe lanning added on that Now it's like if you don't go in on Saturday or go do your own workouts, that you feel like you're behind. You know, the coaches aren't telling them to do it. It's not mandatory. But other players are going in. So if you don't go in, you feel like you're falling behind. And uh, I asked Campbell about that, and he said that he came in on a Friday night uh, to the facility right after January, like two two weeks after they got back from Christmas break on a Friday at 10 p.m. And he went in, and Jaquan Bailey, Josh Bailey, and David Montgomery were in there working out at 10 p.m. on a Friday night. And he said – he thought to himself, we've got a chance. And then he said he saw Mike Warren and Al and He's like, he, he kind of felt like the players were taking ownership to tell, instead of the coaches just telling them what to do. And I think that was the one thing yesterday that made me think that maybe something is different because it just, the players were very honest about how that, it didn't happen before. And now it's starting to happen uh, at least since about January.
2: Ten takeaways from Iowa State's Big 12 Media Day is one of the great articles up at CycloneAlert.com with Alex Halstead. Must stop for Cyclone fans out there. Uh, Even the other side, if you're trying to get a glimpse of the Cyclones, take a look at Alex. He does great work, and he's down in Frisco, Texas. Last thing for you, it was part of those uh, 10 that you had, Alex. New uniforms are coming in 2018. Uh, What did Coach Campbell have to say about the new uniforms, about the future, and anything about the season coming up for 2017?
3: Yeah, it was interesting because he kind of buried, he kind of buried it. And all of a sudden he, you know, someone else had asked, someone else was going around. I think it just had asked the players from every team about players and coaches from every team about their uniforms. Mm-hmm. And first, and I was having to be standing over there and Campbell said, you know, I like the, I think he calls them the storm gray uniforms, that those are his favorite ones, the ones they released last year. And then all of a sudden he says, Nike's, has you know, is going to let us completely redo our uniforms for next year. And I was like, you know, we've talked to him before that's something he's wanted to do. Fans have really wanted. Um, you know, Campbell has even said, you know, he knows you don't win and lose games by this, but he feels like they need to do something branding wise to kind of get a foothold to try to build on success of you know, he said there are a few peak years in Iowa State history and he wants to try to you know do something to build on that. But he's he's always wanted to do uniforms and he said in the past that Nike takes a full year, you know, they're very thorough on the process. It takes them a full year to design and so I said, is it for 2018? And he said, yeah, that'll be for 2018. And uh, so then I assumed, you know, the process is probably starting now and it's a full year. And he said, no, the process is in the final stages. They've already figured out the book of the uniforms, the color combinations, and that sort of thing. Um, and they'll be ready for 2018. So for 2017, this upcoming season, he said it may be not as drastic as a new white helmet or a new gray uniform that they did last year. But there will be some little things they do this year, but then the big overhaul – which would be completely new look. It won't just be like a new color. Um, we'll be in 2018, so he kind of just all of a sudden let that out, and I think it's something fans have been wanting, and um, something he wants to do just to continue his rebrand and try to make Iowa State a little bit different than it has been in the past.
2: Oh, no, very cool. I'm uh, looking forward to that and and seeing, but we got to wait a little bit before we get to that point. Out of time today. Alex, as always, appreciate it. Safe travels home, and we'll be talking again down the road. We'll be talking even closer to football season. Yes. Talk
3: to you later, and See you when I get
2: back to Iowa. All right. Alex Halstead with us on the Draft House 50 hotline. Appreciate him and and taking time away from a busy schedule down there. Always good stuff and a great guy uh, to always talk with. Alex Halstead. Give him a Twitter follow at Alex Halstead. where you can find him. And again, it's CycloneAlert.com. We're coming back on the other side. We will be talking more college football. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. He is up next as... We roll through. It's a Tuesday. Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talker 1700.
1: 1700 KBGG is the Big Talker in Des Moines. With Jimmy B and TC, noon to 3, sports talk that rocks.
2: 1700 KBGG.
1: Can you finish Geico's ad phrase, 15 minutes could save you, right, 15% or more on car insurance. But this message isn't about Geico. It's about how your memory works. Why is it you remember certain ad messages and literally hundreds of songs that you never set out to memorize? That's the power of sound. It can make a good tune or a good idea stick. Now here's a question. Would you like to learn the five secrets of making a message for your business sticky? You know, memorable and powerful? then just call us and ask to speak to our ad strategy manager. He'd be glad to share them with you, no obligation. The good thing is, with radio, you can afford to get sticky. Then when someone's in the market for what you sell, who are they going to remember? If you want them to remember you, take advantage of radio, the power of sound.
4: Hi, this is Clint Burkhoff. If you'd like to learn the five secrets of a powerful campaign, just call me here at the station, 331-9200.
0: See you
1: soon. Back to the Wolf Construction Roofing Studio. Sponsored by Wolf Construction Roofing. It's Jimmy
2: B and TC. College football talk continues here. Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talker 1700. As we go back out once again to the Draft House 50 hotline. Mill Civic Parkway in West Des Moines. That's where Bill Bender is as he joins us here. Bill, it is Big 12 Media Days this week. Next week, the Big 10. I know you've been out and about a lot of different media days for you. It feels like college football. Are you starting to feel it? Are you starting to get ramped up?
4: Oh, yeah. You know, I know the media days feel a little bit earlier, but that's like everything else. They they just, things happen earlier now. SEC was fun. Uh, you know, I watched Big 12 off the couch today, and then. Uh, getting ready to go to Big Ten next week. So that schedule's going, and then uh, before you know it, September will be here.
2: Yeah, it, it goes quick every year. You never want to wish away the the summer, but uh, it kind of does it on its own, and here we are getting ready for things. Let's talk about this week's topic here for us uh, in the Midwest, and that is uh, for the Big 12. So Oklahoma, new coach, Texas, new coach. I, I saw today... For the first time since 1947, it'll be two first-year coaches in the Red River Shootout in that one. Let's start with Texas. Tom Herman, year number one. Talents there? How quickly can he get this thing turned around, and what should be the expectation level for Herman in year number one?
4: Very impressed with how he handled his press conference today, because I, I'm a huge Tom Herman fan. I think um, you know this year will be a bit of a stock. Yeah, I don't think they're going to go 15-0 in year one, but with the way he's recruiting three of the top 10 prospects in the state have already committed um, and and the way he just has the charisma candor and the, the can do to get the job done there. I I think within two years, they're going to be competing for big 12 championships again. And within three to four, they're going to be serious national championship contenders. So I guess I got those burnt orange glasses on that, that he was urging people not to put on quite yet.
2: (laughs) There's going to be a lot of that. Certainly that is going to be happening. And, you know, boy, Texas. You kind of take a peek at the schedule here, and I think another part of this is what happens when you look at that schedule and you say, "What if Oklahoma's do for a little regression here with the new coach? As as talented as they are, you have to figure that Bob Stoops is worth something over there." Texas, you know, Michigan surprised in year number one of Harbaugh. Could we see the same thing happening with this Texas team where? Yeah, they're gonna be all right, but most people are kinda of hedging their bets, bets bets and saying they're gonna be eight and four. Could they really surprise and win double digit games?
4: And that would be the ceiling, I think. But yeah, I mean they, they could in that conference. Why not? I mean, you know, there's opportunity there, like you said. Bob Stoops isn't there. I still think Oklahoma's the the favorite though, the top dog because of, you know, more so Baker Mayfield and, and the things that they have coming back on Orlando Brown and on the defensive side. Um but yeah, I mean that could happen. I, that's a conference where offense wins, so you're going to score a bunch of points. And if, if Shane Bouchelle takes that next, you know, leap, then they're going to have a chance.
2: So for Oklahoma, with Lincoln Riley taking over here, Bill, can you give me something that maybe people are missing with, with the young coach taking over? Yeah, it's fun. You got the young guy recruiting as the lifeblood of college athletics. We get all these different things, <laughs> but what's the storyline that you're looking at with Lincoln Riley that maybe? isn't hitting a lot a lot of people as they look at this team going into 2017
4: well september 9th i, I mean it's going to hit everything's going to hit right then mm-hmm. because that's your first big test i mean bob stoops for better or worse had that moniker of big game bob and mm-hmm. it was used as a positive and a negative mm-hmm. um so i think when they go to ohio state and feel what it's like to take on ohio state there under urban meyer in prime time that we're going to figure out a lot about uh, Lincoln-Riley then, not only from that game or how he proceeds with a win. I mean, I'm trying to imagine the hype if Oklahoma wins that game around Lincoln-Riley. And then, you know, uh, and on the flip side, imagine if they lose the, the panic in Soonerland. So I think that's the first big test that I'm waiting on.
2: Going to be a lot of fun there. Oklahoma State getting buzz, mullet uh, flowing in the breeze back behind Mike Gundy. Oklahoma's been close before. Of course, around here we remember what kept them out of it, a Friday night game up in Ames against Iowa State, keeping them out of the na- national championship p- picture. Give me a positive vibe that you have for Oklahoma State and maybe the other side, a thing that would keep you away from plugging them into the college football playoff.
4: That's time. It's time for them to break through and do it. Uh, you know, I-, I think that's the one team, I know we talked about Texas, but Oklahoma State can really take aim at Oklahoma now. Um, you got the quarterback in Rudolph. You got the receiver in James Washington. Arguably, could be the most exciting player in college football in James Washington. So, you know, and you got Oklahoma coming to you. So beat them at home, and you might have to play them again and, and finally break through. Snuck up, I just sent this article to our desk, but Oklahoma State's won 10, 10 or more games five times this decade. I mean, that's pretty good.
2: It is. It, it is. It, I, I think I saw something since Gundy took over. I think they're like 14th in the country in terms of win percentage. I, I don't think we put them at at a national scale just how good that they have been throughout the course of now, what, 12, 13 years with Gundy?
4: Yeah, and, yeah, for, but 14, that's ironic you said that because, I mean, that's about where they start every season. Right. You know, 13, right. 14, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, a game here, a game here. But it comes down to Oklahoma. I looked at those – uh five seasons with ten or more wins, well, yeah, Iowa State happened the one year. The other four years, they got beat by Oklahoma. So, I mean, that's really all that's holding them back is they beating the Sooners a few times.
2: With that, uh, let's take a look at the local team here in the Big 12. That is Iowa State. The expectations on a local level are that this team can challenge and be bowl eligible this season, that they can break through. Now, to do that, they're going to have to probably beat at least one of the two the home game against Iowa, the home game early on against texas they 're going to have to get one of those They can 't afford a loss to you and I or Akron. Those are things that certainly have to happen for the cyclones from your perspective, is this going to be a breakthrough year in year number two for Matt Campbell and Bull eligible? Are you still a little bit short of that?
4: Well, I mean it could they 've got some talent. I mean, I was peeling through the all conference team this morning you got a all conference caliber lineman in Campos you got an all conference caliber uh, the of back Bank and Cotton Moya. I mean, they'd got some players. That stood out to me right away. I was like, wow, Iowa State's got a couple players on here. Yeah. And, um, you know, getting the bull eligibility, you got to have players like that. So I think that's a reasonable expectation in a conference where they're going to have to beat Texas Tech. They're going to have to beat Kansas. They can't lose games like that. They're going to have to do well in non con and steal a few against the teams that are supposed to beat them. So I think six is reasonable. And, I, and I've told you in the past, you know, I really like Matt Campbell from his days up here in Ohio. And I think he's the right coach for this job.
2: Bill Bender from the Sporting News joining us on the Draft House 50 Hotline. We're talking college football here. From the Big 12, let's jump to the Big 10. That'll be coming up next week, Bill. And uh, with it, before we even get to the nuts and bolts of things, what's going on here? No Saquon Barkley, no JT Barrett here locally, no Akram Wadley. Why aren't, people, why aren't these coaches bringing the guys that we're most excited to see?
4: It's disappointing. Uh, it really is, because I'm already looking at the storylines for that. And I'm, we're probably not going to get much. I, I get bringing your seniors. I do. And I get, you know, experiencing that. But, I mean, instead of an opportunity to showcase its stars, and the Big Ten has, you know, plenty of them. You mentioned them. Barrett, Barkley, McSorley, Wadley. I mean, these guys aren't just stars. They're high they're caliber players. So, instead of doing that, we're going to have probably a pretty boring two days, and um, you know, you scrounge for stories. I guess it's on our job to come up with some better ones, but uh, certainly disappointed on the, in that decision for sure.
2: Yeah, Barkley, McSorley at Penn State. Uh, you're trying to build excitement. You're trying to maybe jet start, jump start a Heisman campaign. These kind of things. And here on the local level, you know, Akron Wadley's a guy that he says things that uh, are a little off the beaten path for Iowa. That's why I was excited to hear from him, and he's not going. But Sometimes that's also a part of it. You know, you're going to put three guys out there that you know aren't going to rock the boat, aren't going to say anything controversial. Coaches like that; they don't want to deal with another headache.
4: Well, yeah, and and again, that works both ways. I mean, last week at SEC Media Day, uh, Kirby Smart lauded Nick Chubb for being a man of few words, and that's bad for us. And Nick Chubb was fine on the podium. You know, he, he said what he needed to say, but I think that's what's lacking in college football is the a polarizing figure. There's no Tebow. There's no Manziel. There's no even I – I would take Jadavion Clowney at this point. We don't even have that. So I think it's it's kind of a – something they'll have to combat. This certainly doesn't help promote the game, though, not bringing out the stars, especially the one that hurts is uh, Barkley. I, I think he's a guy that could be the face of the Big Ten this year.
2: I'm right there with you. I think a chance to go forward. That leads to Penn State in general. You know, you go back to the beginning of last season – they had the loss to Pitt. They got blown out in that game against Michigan, and I think a lot of people were just left saying, all right, well, Penn State's going to be 8-4, and 7-5. and five. They'll be decent, and that's about it. But really got jump-started. They survived the game against Minnesota, then pulled the upset a couple weeks later against Ohio State, and then we saw that team just catch fire. What's more likely, that Penn State disappoints this year and still is decent they still put up points but they're more a seven eight win team or this is a team that is going to be contending and gets to the college football playoff. what's what's more likely in your mind bill
4: i think contention but it has a couple hitches in it i I think um i don't i wouldn't pick them to win in columbus and i think to get to the playoff they get a win in columbus and that's the problem i don't think they're going to be a seven eight win team but you know, I still got the, the game against Ohio State circled because until they can prove they can win there, mm-hmm. and, you know, Ohio State's going to be thinking revenge. I think that's the biggest game on the Big Ten schedule in terms of which way the conference goes. But, yeah, I mean, they're, they're still going to score a bunch of points. Um, you know, and Michigan and Penn, Pittsburgh are going to challenge them. But uh, I, I don't think they sink to seven or eight. But, uh, you know, ten and two seems about right, maybe even 11 and one. If they get to 11, they'll compete for wow. the playoffs.
2: See, I don't know. There's just there's something that I'm I'm just taking a small step back. A big part of it's the schedule. You mentioned, you know, obviously the Ohio State game, the home games against Michigan and Pitt, but they still have to go on the road to Iowa, to Northwestern, to Michigan State, to Maryland. I can see them losing any of those games, notwithstanding the home games that we talked about. There, you also have Nebraska as a crossover. They come in. I, I think that this is going to be an 8-4 team, Bill. I, I think I, I feel like I'm alone on this island on this one, that this Penn State team is not going to be at that level. Maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe I'm just looking for no, something to talk about. No, you're not.
4: No, you're not. I think um, I've heard this from a couple other people, too. So And okay. I agree with you on those landmines on the road. I mean, we saw a lot of those big wins they had last year were at home. They're going to have to take the show on the road. And, and like I said, high State, you mentioned Iowa. I was probably going to be thinking payback too, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, with Iowa, as you know, as we found out again, again last year, just when people like to count them out, they 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 rise up and beat somebody they shouldn't, and that's exactly what they did to Michigan last year.
2: Yeah, after that week, uh, that performance against Penn State on the road, they looked awful. They were blown out. They come back and beat Michigan when nobody gave them a shot. That leads to the schedule, and another team that I think I am different on than many people out there, this one in the West, Wisconsin. I I was one of the people that said, schedule aside, I thought the Badgers were going to be very good last year. I thought they had a great shot against LSU. It seems like when people, when it becomes that summer narrative, that it is dispelled. Now the summer narrative for Wisconsin is, with that schedule, they're going to be running the table. They're going to be 11-1. They're going to be that good. I'm not seeing it. Uh, Offensive line, okay, we know that's going to be good. Corey Clement was a special, special talent. He's going to be gone, and I'm not a big believer in Alex Hornibrook. A guy that loses his job to Bart Houston, I got concerns about that. I think Wisconsin's going to be good. I just don't think they're going to be 11-1 good.
4: Yeah, I think they're good enough to win the Big Ten West, and that's, but that's not necessarily 11-1. I, I was struck last year. I think you hit the narrative perfect because last year, didn't we talked about how tough the schedule was. I watched some of that game against LSU last this week where uh they were unranked i totally forgot yeah. totally states that they were unranked and now they'll probably start around 12 11 and uh like you said the 11 and 1 narrative is being written but uh 10 and 2 again uh, 10 and 2 9 and 3 i think they're gonna have some bumps i think the big thing for them is they can win the big 10 west but can you go to indy and beat an ohio state michigan penn state whoever and, and i'm not sold on that one trend not yet i mean i could be talked out of it but uh they've got to break through and be one of those schools.
2: They need that. The conference as a whole needs that. Iowa was close a couple years ago. Last year, Wisconsin was very close, but close doesn't count. The narrative is out there that the West is just not even close up to par with what you have in the East. And until somebody beats somebody from the East and a heavyweight from the East, that's going to continue to be the narrative. Well, Bill, with that, you'll get ready for next week in Chicago. We will talk again soon. As always, thanks for your time and, uh, Well, enjoy the summer while it's still here, all right? Yeah, a
4: few weeks left, Trent. I'll take care, and I'll enjoy it, and I'll see you soon. Thank you so much for having me on.
2: You bet. Bill Bender with the Sporting News. Give him a follow on Twitter at BillBender92 is where you can find him. Everything that you need as it pertains to the world of college football. Coming back on the other side with more Jimmy B and TC. Brinson back with us on the other side as we continue on the Big Talker 1700. Hey, it's
1: Bill Ryder. Nice to be talking to the home crowd again in Central Iowa, where I was raised, where I got
2: married. The show is right on you, five to nine p.m. weekdays on Des Moines' Big Talker 1700 KBGG. Hey, it's Jimmy B and TC for Draft House 50 on Mill Civic Parkway in West Des Moines. Hey, Draft House 50 has 47 big screen TVs for great viewing of any game: football, basketball, baseball, hockey, golf, tennis. You name. it. Hey, the Draft House 50 can get. Get it? Even cricket? Draft House Fifty has a sensational menu featuring specialty burgers, steak, salads, and so much more. And on Saturday and Sunday, beginning at 10 a.m., it's brunch, which includes a terrific Bloody Mary bar. The Draft House Fifty—a place for sports, great food, and drinks. Draft House Fifty, Mill Civic Parkway in West Des Moines.
1: Tonight, from executive producers Mark Wahlberg and Steven Levinson.
3: They were looking to kill some Marines.
1: Not some Marines. Us. We're being hunted. Comes an all-new season of Shooter. I'm going to fix this. You're a good enough Marine to know you can't win this fight on your own. A hero's war. So much for fading into the background. Never ends. I'm not trying to be anybody's hero. Ryan Phillippe stars in Shooter. Already starting, fellas. Season premiere tonight at 10, 9 central, right after SmackDown Live on USA Network. Staples knows that when your printer jams more than a prince, it's time. When your paper supply is in desperate need of resupply, it's time. When the only printer in your office that's not out of ink is 3 flights up, it's definitely time. And it's times like these when Pro's turn to Staples. Staples has great prices on everything you need to print. And
2: now, buy 1 HP ink, get the second 30% off. Staples. It's Pro Time. N72217. See store or staples.com for details. Restrictions may apply.
5: I heard on the news about that 5-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand.
4: I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head.
5: She killed herself.
4: And later killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob.
0: If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, See you soon.
1: You don't need more sports, but you want more sports. Rockstar Satellite can fix that with free next day installation on DirecTV. Call Rockstar Satellite
4: 515 262 STAR. Call today for next day installation 515 262 STAR.
0: At Wolf Construction, we do many large construction projects across the Midwest, but we started as a roofing company and we're still a roofing company today. As many of you know, severe weather and hail swept through central Iowa and the Des Moines metro. Wolf Construction was here long before these storms, and we'll be here long after. We're much more than a pickup and a ladder. A roofing team is here to serve you for years to come. With our one-day get-it-done approach, we're known as a roofing machine. Call Wolf Construction for a free estimate at 515-225-8866 or visit us on the web at wolfconstruction.net. At Wolf Construction, we take your roof personally.
1: Jim Brunson. Trent Condon, it's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 KBGG live from the Wolf Construction Studio sponsored by Wolf Construction Roofing. Here's Jim and Trent.
2: So I searched high, low, low is where I found him. He has Jim Brinson back with us on the Draft House 50 hotline as he is uh, sunning and funning and he'll be back with us on a full-time basis hopefully next week. Is that right, Jimmy B? That's what we're counting on. <laughs> uh, the life of Jim Brinson. We all hope that someday we can get to that point. Until then, uh, we just live our uh, boring lifestyle. Mr. Brinson, I brought something up it, to you. Yes, you did. Before we uh, finish up our conversation the last time, summer primetime league is going on. Uh, Ahmad Wagner has been trying to develop an outside shot. He's been shooting a lot of threes. At four or 7 last week in a game. That's good, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, not bad. They they need guys that can play more than just power forward and center. They need some guys that can expand their game. Uh he promptly then goes in the first round of the playoffs oh of nine from three <laughs> for uh the last time out for a Wagner. But we're not here to talk about him as a basketball player. We're here to talk about him possibly jumping over to the gridiron. Six foot seven, two hundred and thirty pounds of muscle. He was a wide receiver and a highly recruited wide receiver coming out of high school, Ahmad Wagner. Should he uh, lace up those shoulder pads again?
5: Well, look, he was a star in high school. We all know that. And you and I have had several conversations about where are he, where, where is he going to get minutes? Where, where is he going to get minutes if these new guys are going to come in and, and yep. be as effective as many people believe that they're going to be? So let me just run through a a couple of things for you, okay? All right. Uh, A couple of names that will stand out to our listeners. People that, guys who played basketball and football. All right, we all know that Antonio Cates did not play football when he attended Kent State. He just played basketball. And then he turned into an all-pro tight end with the Chargers. Julius Peppers... Played football and basketball at North Carolina. We know how his NFL career went. Mm-hmm. Tony Gonzalez played football and basketball at the University of California, Cal Bears. And we all know that he turned out to be maybe one of the greatest tight ends of all time. And just this past season, Baylor University, Rico Cathers, at 6'8 and about 260, you're right in there? Right played nothing but basketball for Baylor, and now he's on the Dallas Cowboys roster as a tight end. So this would not be the first time that anything like this has ever taken place. The question is, does Ahmad Wagner want to play football? Right. That's where you have to begin, Trent, right there. Does he want to go out and play, or is it a case where he believes in his mind that he's still a big-time college basketball player.
2: You know, you mentioned the, the minutes component, and I, I don't think this is a conversation for this year. Remember, he's just going to be a junior. He's still got right. another year of eligibility. This is probably going to be, you You first of all mentioned the two freshmen coming in, and if it is a case where both Garza and Nunji come in, and even if they're both getting, say, 12 to 15 minutes a game, well, that's that's 24 to 30 minutes that weren't, used up last year that are going to be taken away. And and you figure Wagner's probably going to take a hit there. We've seen the development of Creener this summer. He's had a great off season. The Mm -hmm. minutes just aren't there. And if he can't translate, if he can't play some minutes at the small forward position, you're going from a guy that last year played right around 20 minutes a game. And if it's down at 12, he's probably going to look at it too and say, Hey, I'd love to play my senior season of basketball. And he still probably can, but I got to give this football thing a shot because You mentioned the group of guys that have done this. This is a guy that was highly regarded. He had offers from the SEC to play football. Ohio State, Michigan were very interested in him, but he told them pretty much point blank, I'm going to college to play basketball, but when you're looking at your future and that's what happens in your senior year, and you kind of start thinking more big picture, Ahmad Wagner's not played in the NBA. He isn't. But could he get a shot at the NFL with that athletic ability, with that size, with that frame? Maybe. I think it's something that at least bears watching going forward, but it's not happening for this year.
5: No, I think he's playing nothing but basketball this year, mm-hmm. and, and that's it. And I, I don't see that. But I, I suppose that if his minutes this season, and we've discussed this, if his minutes in each game are critically reduced, and he's like an afterthought, mm-hmm. and that could happen. Yep, we, we know We know if guys come in and are performing well, uh, you're going to have your fanny on the pine for an extended period of time. You're not taking that guy's job. If Nungi, Garza, etc., cetera, uh, and Kreener are performing at such a high level, uh, you're just the odd man out. So from that standpoint, Trent, I think after this basketball season, I think if the writing's on the wall, I could see it then. Yeah, I, and, I really could I could see it then.
2: well and and the other part is he wouldn't have to give up basketball you know he no, he, no. he still could give it a shot, he goes through you know some summer camps now. is it going to hurt his basketball game absolutely because there's only so many minutes in a day that you can devel- you know divulge into the different things, but he's still a guy that i I love what he does for the floor he's not a star on the basketball floor, but he's the kind of guy that you need. You don't have to give that up, but give it a shot. Go through some off-season workouts. Go into August camp. Lace them up and see what happens. And if your heart's not into it, just not working, you still have basketball there. We're not asking him to give it up. But I think with a guy with that kind of athletic ability, with a background in football, too, it makes sense to at least think about it. And, and I love Kelvin Bell, the Iowa assistant. Seems like he does this, <laughs> what, every, every six months or so, he's, he's got to go after Ahmad Wagner one more time
5: you know, it's it's a funny tweet and uh and you gotta appreciate him. I mean he's doing his job. Yeah. That's what he that's what he's paid for to go out and chase guys. Yep. And he and he's doing that just the way that he's supposed to. And the cool part about it is is that he's letting us get on it. Which yep. is a lot of times that doesn't take place. It's all behind closed doors and hush hush. But hey, at least uh he's incorporating us in all of this.
2: Always a good thing. Hey, we finish up here, Jimmy B. Uh, I got to get your hit on the Cubs. They've come out on fire. The bats absolutely working. They hold on last night. Four in a row for the Cubs. At least you can't say they suck anymore, right? <laughs> Look, I'm not going to get off the first half
5: where I said they were deplorable uh-huh. with that talent. Okay, and if that sounds harsh, it's meant to be harsh because they were not good at all. However, it is the second half of the season. You and I. Both said on the show that, look, they could flip the switch and make it work. But we have seen this before, Trent. I mean, didn't they run off a couple of times ago about a uh, three- or four-game winning streak? Yeah. And then they lost three mm-hmm. in a row. So, look, I'm not, I'm not going to get excited here until, until they really start to make a move. They're three and a half behind Milwaukee. We know that the Central Division in the National League is still up for grabs. Nothing is going to change. I just think that, you know, if they get going here a little bit, that they will indeed have an opportunity to still win the division. And we said that all along. But it's a case in point where you've got you, you, you to call it like you see it. And I did the first half of the season was dreadful with the talent that they have on that team. Now, they're in Atlanta tonight. Mm -hmm. They almost lost last night's game after having a comfortable 4-1 lead, and they were choking it away, and then they finally got bailed out in the bottom of the ninth inning.
2: They've had a five-game winning streak this year. That was right after they lost six straight out against the Dodgers and Padres. They came back, they swept the Cardinals, won the first two games against Miami and promptly lost four in a row. So four in a row feels good right now, and I know the Cubs fans, and I've already talked to a couple of them, we're back. We're fine. We're fine. Uh Uh, that, That whole first half didn't matter. Okay, let's slow down just a little bit here. If you complete the sweep against Atlanta, you take the series against the Cardinals after that, all right, I can start to listen. I'm going to start to buy in. Until we get to that point, though, we got to slow down just a little bit and, and we got to see what they get out of Lackey tonight too that that's another well, that, component. He's got to turn things around
5: You're right you're absolutely right. I mean if he blows up again yeah uh, you, you know look they're, they're still going to be shopping they' they're not they're not done shopping but uh, if if Lackey gets busted out again mm-hmm. early in this game and the Cubs end up losing, I mean it just goes to show you that all right yeah they put runs on the board finally. Uh, they did win four in a row, and good for them. But they're not the Dodgers who have won nine in a row, and and just keep mowing people down. They're not the Astros who have won over sixty games and continue to mow people down. Mm-hmm. They're just not that finely tuned machine that we saw last season, and the way that they that that helped springboard them into the playoffs. Look, to both. Brent and I believe that they can win the division? Absolutely. Absolutely. Come on. It's the Milwaukee Brewers right now who are in front. But they do have a a three-and-a-half game lead, and so they're still feeling confident with what is going on. But I get how Cubs fans can be all giddy after a four-game winning streak. I would, too, after that deplorable first half that Cubs fans had to suffer through.
2: Get excited when you can. Jimmy B., we're out of time, my man. We'll talk again tomorrow. You got it, pal. Talk to you then. Jimmy B. checking in on the Draft House 50 hotline. We'll take the break. 2 o'clock hour around the corner. We got Wolfgang here. He joins me on the other side on the Big Talker 1700.
1: 1700 KBGG is the Big Talker in Des Moines. With Jimmy B. and T.C., noon to 3, sports talk that rocks. 1700 KBGG. Order! And to close, lock in your bundle price at $89.99 a month for two years with AT&T. The court rules in favor of AT&T. Call your local dealer now. Switch to DirecTV today and start enjoying the nation's number one satellite TV service. Call Rockstar Satellite at 515-262 STAR. That's Rockstar Satellite at 515-262 STAR. Of course, 24 month TV and 12 month internet agreements and combined billing. New approved customers only must remain active and in good standing on all services of then prevailing rates in second year. Pro-rated ETF $480 for TV, 100 dollars for Internet. equipment, non-return fees and conditions apply. Call for details. Offer ends Since 1993, Wolf Construction has been Des Moines' choice for residential and commercial roofing. From complete re-roofing to small leaks, call Wolf Construction at 225-8866 for your roofing needs. Call 225-8866 to set up your roofing consultation. Or online at wolfconstruction.net. That's wolfconstruction.net. For Wolf Construction, a plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, wolfconstruction.net.
2: Guys don't really talk about antiperspirant. Despite that, 91% of Dove Men Plus Care users recommend it. Here's what they said. It blocks the, yeah, you know, perspiration, I think is the fancy word. It's comfortable. Uh, <laughs> it smells nice. My girl likes the smell. Well, it's, it, I, I don't, uh, it's hard. I think it's quite masculine. Uh, my underarms aren't the worst thing at the gym. It's kind of like the Hoover Dam from my armpits, I guess. Dove men plus care antiperspirant. Tough on sweat, not on skin.
1: Oh, my goodness. I am tired of being known only as the guy who turns into a werewolf at the full moon. There's more to me than that. Just like Geico. Sure, they could save you money, but Geico also has a 97% customer satisfaction rating, so you know people love them. And yeah, I become a man-beast once a month, but I become the world's greatest crepe chef every single Saturday morning. Geico, expect great savings. 1700 KBGG. Des Moines. A Cumulus Station. Big news, big talk, and big sport.
0: My name's Sharzad Kiade. I'm a Gemini Pescatarian, a mom of two wild little boys. I'm Susan Yara. I'm a mom of two also. This morning, I went to the bathroom alone. I woke up at five, put my boob in her mouth, and then she took a dump. Because that's what she uses me for. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you're going to hear a lot of our stories and experiences and our crazy journeys to motherhood. It's fam for all moms. Not for all dads. Not fathers and moms, or all moms, it's gonna be good all time. You guys are gonna want to stick around, promise. So subscribe.